Hey everybody, this is Patrick Snow, international best-selling author, professional speaker, publishing coach, book marketing coach, speaker coach in Maui, Hawaii. And I got a great message for you. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through the disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my great friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront some obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today. And if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. And uh, I have a guest with me today. His name is Patrick Snow. He's an international best-selling author, professional keynote speaker, publishing, speaking, and book marketing coach. He's, uh, he first discovered his gift for speaking at the age of 17 while giving the pre-game speeches to his high school football team. Since then, Patrick has electrified more than 3,500 audiences on four continents to achieve their individual and organizational destinies. As a publishing coach, he has mentored more than 1,200 clients throughout the world to successfully publish their books. Now, many of these clients have gone on to become speakers, coaches, and consultants as well. His Destiny Message has been widely recognized in the media, including the New York Times, Forbes magazine. His book, story, and family photo has also been featured as a cover story in 2002 in the issue of USA Today. Patrick is the author of many books, including the international bestseller, Creating Your Own Destiny, which has sold upwards of a million copies in five languages and 108 countries worldwide since 2001. This book and his second book, The Affluent Entrepreneur, have been purchased by John Wiley and Sons in New York and uh, published under their imprint. He's originally from Michigan, and he graduated from the University of Montana in 1991. He lived in Seattle for more than 20 years until 2013, when he achieved his lifelong dream and moved to the beautiful island of Maui, Hawaii, where I hope to go and visit him one day when we're allowed to travel. Hey, Patrick, welcome to the show today. Well, Dennis, thank you so much for having me as your guest. I want to thank you for reading that introduction that could very well be the absolute best speaker introduction that I've ever written. So thank you. <laughs> awesome. Hey, um, that's great. So tell me, Patrick, a little bit. I mean, we've given you quite a bit of an introduction there around your background. Is there anything else you might want to share with our listeners about your background? You know what? I'm left-handed. I kind of marched to the tune of my own drum. When my parents were young, my father was a school teacher. My mother was a nurse. I was the fourth of five children. And they were poor on money, but they were wealthy on love. And I think I had the greatest childhood ever. And my mom and dad always taught me that I can do anything in the world that I want 
as long as I'm willing to work hard enough at it. So I was never given anything like any, you know, handout or any gift or any large sums of money. I had to, as an underdog, earn everything myself. And so I've just kept that underdog mentality and that spirit, you know, with me of self-confidence and self-esteem. And I trace it back to my family roots. I had a blessing, a wonderful, wonderful, loving family. And I'm so grateful. And to this day, I, I still think of all of the things that I learned from my father who passed five years ago. And uh, I'm just blown away as to what I learned from him. Not so much about what he said, but what he did. So, yeah, I think that's kind of more about my background. Excellent. And, you know, what, what a wonderful way to be brought up and given us the sense of for you can have what you want. You can succeed in what you want to do, but you're going to have to work for it. And I think that's that's a great uh, way to be brought up. And I think that sense of things, and, and that was my upbringing as well, where mum and dad were working long hours in cafes and so forth. And even after school, we were there at the cafe at a young age, school holidays, weekends. But I don't know about you, but I think for me, and this, this could be relevant for you, it taught me about work ethic. And is that, could you resonate with that? Well, I think my mother and my mother in the eighth grade, she said, Patrick, I'm working the afternoon shift at the hospital. She was in the, worked in the nursery helping deliver babies and care for babies. And she said, you know, I don't have time to do your laundry anymore. So this is how you use a washing machine and this is how you use a dryer. So if you want clean clothes and it's okay if you wear your dirty clothes, but if you want clean clothes and this is how you use the washer and dryer. And so I learned how to, you know, care for my clothing at an early age. And then they wouldn't give me any money. They gave me lunch money. And the way that I earned my lunch money was by doing chores. And so I learned at a very young age that I started shoveling snow in the winter to make money to, you know, pay for what I wanted. I soon started delivering newspaper uh, deliveries for the USA Today and also the Detroit Free Press. And then uh, after doing that, I and maybe in, it was in the eighth grade, I started selling Detroit Free Press subscriptions door to door. And I remember like in 1983, making $80, $90, $100 per night US, you know, just selling Detroit Free Press subscriptions. I'd make a $1, I'd get a, you know, on a, on a Sunday subscription, I'd get a $1 commission. On a daily, I'd get a $2. And if I sold somebody a daily and a Sunday, I got a $3 commission. So I did that for about a year and I made tons of extra money. And then my, you know, grade 10 in high school, I went to work at a restaurant and they paid me $3 and 35 cents an hour, which was minimum wage back then. Wow. And I thought to myself, I'm trading an hour of my time for $3 and 35 cents. And when I went knocking door to door to door selling, you know, newspaper subscriptions, I'd make $50, $60 an hour. And so at that point, I learned that to, to create wealth, you did it by, being an, a business owner, a sales professional, an entrepreneur, not working for the man and trading time for dollars. And so yep. that was a great lesson I learned early on in life. Oh, that's awesome. Fantastic lessons in that. Yeah. And so how did you get into leadership? You know, I've never really viewed myself as like someone trying to become a leader or someone who's looking behind me to find out who is following me because I could care less if people are following me or not. And there's a lot of leaders out there that are constantly counting their fans. They want to know how many fans they have, how many uh -huh. followers they have on social media. I could care less about any of that. That means nothing to me. But I think it started for me um, as an athlete, you know, playing youth sports. I played American football, um, basketball, tennis, baseball. And some of my coaches, they pushed me harder than ever. And I'm like, wait a minute, why are you making me run harder than everybody else? Why, why? And they're like, you're the captain of the team. 
And as the captain, you got to be in the best shape and we're going to push you harder than everybody. And you can take it. And these other kids can't take it. And so for me, leadership got started in youth sports. I was pretty much always the captain of every team. And maybe it's because I'm full of passion. Maybe it's because I never give up. Maybe because I, you know, prepare and I'm mentally strong in a good way. I'm full of uh, zest and zeal for life. And uh, I think people just followed me athletically. And that kind of led me down this path in personal growth and development. So am I a leader? I think I'm a leader of my own life. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of self-leadership, but I've not been one that's, you know, worked for the big Fortune 500 company and had an organizational development chart where I had 200 people report to me. I've always been the guy that's like, you know what? I can do it better than these guys. I don't need this day job. I quit my job 18 years ago to be a full-time entrepreneur. And maybe it's because I'm unemployable because the people that were always my bosses or my superiors, I looked at them and like, who are they? You know, I can do it better myself. So from a leader, I think my skill set is based on self-leadership and discipline and that people will naturally follow that. But I don't have the background of being like a vice president of sales and having like 500 employees follow me. That doesn't interest me at all. Well, no, what you're talking about is a title. That's that's uh, leadership is you're a leader in the industry. You're a leader as a coach, as a as a mentor, yeah. as a speaker. You're a leader in that industry, right? What you're talking about is being a vice president. That's a title. There's so many vice presidents or people I know with those titles. They're managers. They're not real leaders. So what you have done and what you continue to do in the industry is leadership. And so um, you're leading right. from the front. You bring up a good point. I remember after I, I graduated from University of Montana, I was in corporate sales in Seattle for many, many years. And I had this idea. I gave like 300 speeches and I couldn't get paid to save my life. I got free breakfast and free lunch and free dinner and free pens and free mug. And finally, being a Christian, I had to come to Jesus talk. And it's like, what am I doing wrong here? Why can't I make it in this industry? And the answer I got back was, if you want what others have, you must do what others have done and you'll get what others have gotten. And so I looked at my mentors, people like, you know, Les Brown and Zig Ziglar and Brian Tracy and Dr. Stephen Covey and Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra, Tony Robbins. And they all had successfully written and published a book. So I was at a crossroads in my life and I was either A, going to go back to school and get a master's in business administration or get an MBA, or I was going to write a book. And I remember that crux of that decision, which do I do? Which do I do? And I wanted to speak and speak and speak. And so finally I decided, you know what, if I go get an MBA and get an advanced degree, I'm still reliant on having an organization hire me so I can earn a paycheck to provide for my family. But if I go learn how to fish myself as an author, as a speaker, as an entrepreneur, then I'll never have to work another day in my life. And the reason why I say this, and I certainly don't want to knock anybody with higher education because I believe that education is one of the greatest investments that we can make. But I can't tell you how many people I've known over the years that are 30, 40, 50 years old and they have these PhDs and MBAs and they come to me like, Patrick, who do you know that I can get a job? I just got laid off. I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. I don't have an income source. And my answer is, I don't know. I haven't worked in 18 years. What are you talking about? But the point of it is a lot of people in academia, they never learn how to fish for themselves. So they're reliant on the organization to provide them fish on payday. And I think that's a dangerous trap to get into. So your point on leadership, I think leadership is about your ability to provide for your family and your loved ones without being dependent on the success of an organization. So that's a good point you brought up. Awesome. Beautiful. Just love the way that you've actually shared that as well in that story too. So yeah, I mean, write a book, 
that will get you out there, which is one great thing to do. We're going to an MBA, totally up to you. Nothing wrong being an academia and also writing things and getting those degrees. It's what you do with it. It's what you, how you, you go about with things as well, which is interesting. So Patrick, here's a question for you. And that is, now this person could be alive or from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? I think I have maybe three favorite leaders. Uh, my father, Jack Snow, was my best friend, my mentor, my rock. And as a young man, I watched him love and serve our family. And he taught me as a young man, he said, Patrick, family is the most important thing in the world. And you need to fight like hell always and forever to protect your family emotionally, financially, in every way that you can. And the love that he gave me and our family was incredible. So from a leadership standpoint, from a family, I would say it's my father, Jack Snow. Um, I don't really want to get into politics much because that subject kind of drives me crazy. But I'm also a big, huge fan of President John F. Kennedy and how John F. Kennedy did his own thing. You know, like the issue with he could care less about the, you know, the Federal Reserve, about the secret societies, about all of that. He could care less about maybe lobbyists or trying to be bought as a president. He did what he felt what was right for the United States at that time. And obviously, maybe because of that, uh, perhaps, you know, he was assassinated for that, but he still, still stayed true to his beliefs. And probably a third uh, leader that I love is Nelson Mandela. And I think Nelson Mandela is the epiphany of unconditional love, of forgiveness, and when I saw the movie Invictus, you get to see the firsthand story of, you know, how he was after 27 years of illegally and immorally and unethically being imprisoned. He came out of prison with a, a forgiving heart. And he said, if I didn't leave that behind in that cage, in that jail cell, it would have haunted me forever. So he came out and he embraced, you know, both sides. He embraced you know, the whites, the blacks, he embraced the Springbok uh, rugby team. And I think as a result of that, he maybe prevented civil war and maybe saved millions of people's lives yeah. and ultimately became the president of South Africa. And I think he's one of the greatest leaders of our time. So those are, are three people that I really admire in that way. Yeah, great, great, great list of people. And um, I think, you know, the one you say about family is really important. And uh, that's really, really important. Nelson Mandela, when you shared that as well about the film Invictus, I think it's a beautiful film. And uh, I've actually facilitated some workshops using some of that material, some of the things that the, in that film. For a New Zealander, that's a hard film to watch because that's when the All Blacks lost the World Cup, right, to, to <laughs> South Africa. But thanks for mentioning that. Um, but yeah, the thing, I didn't want to rub it in. Yeah, yeah. But I think the, the story that's in the film, right, about Nelson Mandela and about his leadership and about what he's done and that, it was a beautiful story. And if um, listeners, if you haven't seen that film Invictus, I highly recommend, and I know Patrick would agree as well, highly recommend that you go and get that film and you check it out because – the messaging, the story is just beautiful to watch. And uh, I think you'll learn a lot from it. Uh, he is all about forgiveness, all about unconditional love, all about inclusion, all about doing what's right for the country, you know, and all about letting go of the past. And uh, a beautiful man. What an incredible soul. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Hey, so the show is called Leadership is Changing. And when I mentioned that, well, what does that mean for you? Well, I think... You know, technology-wise, the world is continuing to change. Health and wellness, the world is continuing to change. 
Um, we, in terms of our own bodies, I just had a 52nd birthday. I feel like I'm 52 going on 25. I know you uh, have beat your throat issue and are, are looking spectacular and you look, you know, as fit as ever. You look 10 years younger. And, you know, as we age and we're in our 20s and 30s, we're like unstoppable. Like nothing can, we can work 12 hour days every day of the week and nothing can stop us. And then we get 40s, 50s. And if we don't, you know, look and take care of our health and wellness and nutrition, then uh, stress can get to us. Um, and I think over the years, without knowing it, stress has kind of got to me. And so recently I've learned the power of meditation and the power of letting go and the power of release. And, uh, and that's helped me, you know, kind of get through some, some recent health challenges with like GERD or acid reflux that I've learned as a result of stress. So to me, leadership is changing. I think that everybody can talk a big game. Every politician, every Fortune 500 CEO, every world leader, they can talk and talk and talk a big, a big game. And they'll say one thing to one group of people in the morning and something else to a different group of people in the afternoon. And they become this... Um, what do you what do you call that camouflage or they become a you know chameleon where they mm. just blend in and they say whatever they feel like their constituents or their people want them to say and i think the way that leadership is changing especially with social media and with video and with audio is that you can't be an ass you know in one group and then be a savior in another group because every bit of what you say is recorded so I think the way that leadership is changing is it's not so much what you say, it's what you do. So to me, leadership is based on deeds or acts of service or who you are. It's not based on what you say or how you present yourself or how you try to show a fake brand. Leadership is not based on word. Leadership is based on actions. And I think that's how leadership is changing. Yeah, excellent, excellent. And um, the meditation is a great thing and the power of letting go, just learning how to do that, that, that is a real great skill to, to learn for sure. Patrick, how, how has your business or industry changed and what demands has that put on you? Well, as a professional keynote speaker with the whole drama and trauma of 2020, I think at the beginning of this year, I had, I don't know, 15, 18 different speaking engagements You know, on the, the docket. I was doing a speaking tour all over the U.S., uh, starting in about May, and that was going to take me through October. And uh, when all of those things changes, all of them either canceled or postponed. And so I would say in my early days, I was like 80% professional keynote speaker, and then 20% writing coach, publishing coach, book marketing coach, speaking coach, and coaching coach. And then in 2013, I moved to Maui, Hawaii. And I realized upon getting here that it's a six-hour flight to the mainland, U.S., and it's 12 hours to New York City. And for goodness sakes, Auckland is like eight hours away or 10 hours away. So New Zealand is actually closer to Hawaii than the East Coast of the US. And so at that point, I probably reversed that and I became 80% coach and then 20% speaker. And then with the, the challenges of this most recent year, with the lockdowns and the, you know, the trauma and the drama and the over-exaggeration, because I do believe that there's some political you know, over-exaggeration and some globalism and some control issues that are being, you know, put out there to see who can control who and how are we going to act and all of that. And again, I don't want to get into that either, but I just made an adjustment and it's like, okay, I was 80% coach and 20% speaker. Now I'm just going to be hundred percent coach. And so that's what I've done. I've just been hundred percent coach and now I don't have to leave Maui at all. 
And of course, I still do speaking and I still do Zoom teleseminars and webinars and, you know, conference calls and a lot of that. And I love that, but I'm able to do that from home. So I'm not, uh, I haven't been on stage speaking in since probably about a year now. And that's okay because I'm enjoying this time to focus on health and wellness and cycling and hiking and exercise and working out and nutrition. And it's been fantastic. So it's been a lot of blessings in this year. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of about leadership and, and the way things are is that uh, if you are disciplined and you're focused and you you set a goal, you go ahead and do that. And I think what you've done is by adapting your business, that's been brilliant to be able to do it, but you're still following your goals and your passion. And I think you had a, you shared with me another story, and I'm not sure if you want to share this with uh, with our listeners, but how you got the land to put, to build this house that you're in now, I think it's the same house, and with fantastic views, but that story of what you did there and your focus to get that land was amazing. And I think that's a trait that a lot of leaders need to have. Well, I think leadership is about having vision. Yeah. And vision is when you taste your vision, touch your vision, smell your vision, own your vision, emotionalize your vision. And once you learn to own your vision as a leader, you become an unstoppable force of power. So in 1986, I came to Maui, Hawaii with two high school buddies. And I traveled around five of the islands for three weeks. And I remember visiting Maui, Hawaii, and I thought to myself, this is like one of the most beautiful places in the world. And I hadn't been all over the world yet. But since that time, I've given speeches on four continents and maybe been to 20, 25 countries or so. And uh, I always had this goal. And the goal was I'm going to move to Maui. And someday I'm going to own a home in Maui. So in 2013, I didn't buy right away. I rented for a few years. And I had three opportunities where I lost out. You know, I missed on this deal. I missed on that deal. I couldn't get the financing on this deal. And I thought, my goodness, what's happening? And finally, my real estate agent's like, well, Patrick, the reason why you missed out on those, there's a better opportunity for you. You (laughs) When one door closes, a better one always opens. And she says, you know, there's a, a, she was my next door neighbor. And she said, there's a new housing development one mile up the side of the mountain. And from this development, if you were to get on the water side of the development, there's a 180 degree view of the Pacific Ocean and the cruise ship and the city harbor and then Haleakala, the mountain of 10,000 feet. And then from the backside, there's a a view of the West Maui Mountains. It's like 5,000 feet. And she said, Patrick, there's only 18 water view lots. So if you want to get one of those water view lots and put earnest money down, then I'm instructing you to get there early when the sales office opens and get in line. And I said, when is that? And she said, okay, opens at uh, 9 a.m. on a Saturday morning. I'm like, great, I'll be there at 6 a.m. And she said, no, you don't understand. There's going to be like 250 people vying for those 18 lots. You need to get there way earlier than that. So I uh, I showed up Thursday afternoon and there were already two people in line. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness. So I rent, drove back to my rental house and I got food, rationings, laptop, battery charger, cell phone, water, pillow, sleeping bag. And I got back in line at about four o'clock on a Thursday afternoon and I slept in my car Thursday night. And uh, the funny thing is I slept sideways in the back seat and it was uncomfortable. I couldn't sleep, was tossing and turning the whole night. I was there all day Friday, not showered, now growing the five o'clock shadow. Friday night, I actually slept in the passenger seat and I put the seat down, put the moonroof open. It's like, you know, this homeless thing, I could do this homeless life if you learn how to sleep in your car. And uh, the strategy had worked. And I ended up getting, uh, after two nights and two days of sleeping in my car, I ended up getting a full 180 view degree of the ocean. So I'm about uh, maybe a mile 
away from the ocean by the way the bird flies, but I'm five, 600 feet up in elevation. So it's a drop dead view of the ocean and the breeze comes through. And this is a tropical climate, but I don't even have air conditioning in the house. I don't have heating in the house because it's always between about 68 and 75 degrees. And there's always this, you know, passing ocean breeze through. So no heat and no AC. And I tell people I sacrificed two days of my life to exchange that for a 50 to 75 year view. And wow. I'll never sell this place. I'll give it to my boys and my grandchildren someday. So, yeah, that's that's leadership, following your vision and never giving up and doing whatever it takes and having a no matter what mentality. That's yep. what vision and leadership is all about. And then going back to the house, getting all the equipment you need. So then you need to be equipped to be able to handle the situation, do whatever you need to do. So that's brilliant. Thank you for sharing that story with us. So your view now out towards that ocean, does that is that looking towards New Zealand or is it looking, which way is that looking? Maybe I'm looking towards Alaska, towards Canada, towards the U.S. mainland. So you're looking so, north. Yeah. So I got to go to the southwest part of the island to look towards New Zealand. Okay. So. But that's the cool, cool thing about Maui is it's an island and there's every direction you can see, you know? Yeah. Awesome. Hey, Patrick, if there was one thing you could change in business as a leader today, what would that one thing be? For me or for other people or for, for you? I'm a deeply spiritual person. And, you know, everybody says that we only live once on this world. But yet, if you look deep into the Bible, you'll talk about in the book of Mark about reincarnation. So everybody says you only live once. You got to make the most of it. Well, I'm one of those Christians that do believe in reincarnation. I do believe we live multiple lives, but we got to take advantage of the life that we have. And I think if there's anything that I would change or any advice that I would give for other people, it gets back to this, you know, being an entrepreneurial leader. Because I see so many people that literally they sacrifice 40 or 50 years of their life working for the man. And they say, someday I'm going to do this. And someday I'm going to move there. And someday I'm going to do this. And someday, someday, someday. And I said, get your calendar book out. Open your calendar book out and look at those days. You see Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But I don't see a someday with an M. I only see these five or seven weekdays. And I think if I could change anything, I would encourage people not to basically trade away 90% of their life, basically being enslaved to an employer so that they could have this magical three or five or seven years of retirement. Mm. And unfortunately, what happens is by the time you retire at 65 or 70 or 75, you've lost your health. And if you don't have your health, what good is it to have that time? So I think the thing that I would change and encourage other leaders to do is build yourself a career in which you don't need to take a vacation from. Build yourself a career in which you can work from home, in which you can influence the world, in which you can follow your passions and transform your most marketable passion into your profession. Build yourself a career in which you can retire young, but then still work on your passions. And when you do that, your heart and your soul creates an unlimited amount of energy to allow you to love and serve and heal and inspire. And that's my soul level mission and goal is to love and serve and heal and inspire. And I do that through speaking and coaching and books. But yet everybody else are too afraid. And I'm like, what are you afraid of? Well, I'm afraid I'm, I'm afraid I'm not going to make money. Well, what happens if you don't make money? Well, my credit score gets dinged. Well, big deal. My credit score got dinged. You know, well, what happens if your credit score got dinged? Well, I can't get a loan. Well, if you can't get a loan, you can't get into debt, right? And you might be forced to pay cash for everything. 
So that's what I would change is just give these leaders the ability to empower themselves and empower their lives and not put their life on hold for some magical retirement date in their 60s and 70s, because by then it's too late. And I, uh, I just spent about three months in Montana, skiing in Whitefish, Montana. My girlfriend and I, we own a, a second vacation property there. And I heard this quote, and I looked around at 52 years old, and I'm like the oldest person on the mountain skiing. They're like, at 62 years old, they give free ski passes away because nobody skis after 50 or 60. And it reminds me of this quote. And I think this is about true leadership. And I know I'm going long, but true leadership is understanding this, that it's not that you can't walk anymore because you've gotten old. It's that you've gotten old because you stopped walking. And in Montana, I heard that before. It's not that you can't ski anymore because you've gotten old. It's that you've gotten old because you stopped skiing. So yep. that to me is self-leadership, is continuing to focus on your health and wellness. Fantastic. Yeah, great. That's And I love that quote too at the end there. That's, that's brilliant. And Patrick, I, I know that there's a lot of people who go and do 30 years, 40 years of a career. For some of them, they've done year one 30 times. Well, they've done year one 40 times, right? And it just hasn't really been much. For some people, they feel very comfortable being an employee and being there in a job and things like that. And that's great. But then it's what they do with it, which is really important. And as you said, you know, you get to a certain age and then you, your health goes as well. And I, I totally get what you're saying as well. Hey, look, you, you and I probably know people who I've been an employee before, you've been an employee before, and we know people who are employees of organizations, whether it be for an entrepreneur or for a medium to large organization. And I think you alluded to this earlier on. How has employees' expectations of leaders changed? Well, I think that, you know, you hear this old quote that says, don't worry about when your employees quit and leave the organization. You as a leader need to be concerned when the employees quit and then stay meaning that they're milking the clock. They're just like, you know what? I don't like my boss. You know, the boss is a jerk and I don't like the vision of the company and I'm more qualified than them. And so I think as a leader, you know, the challenge is for employees to keep them engaged and then give them direction, but also give them freedom. Give them freedom to create value and add value to the organization. I'm a huge proponent that your income is directly proportional amount of value that you bring to the world. And if you're not happy with the level of income that you're making, you got to look yourself square in the mirror and say, I'm the blame. I'm not bringing the value. So leaders need to empower their employees to basically to be creative, to grow the organization, not to babysit, not to, you know, push them down. I think words are a huge, huge uh, thing. The way that you talk as a leader to your people, it's all about you know, what you do to say to them. And so if there's any disconnect with you and your people, you and your followers, they're not going to do a good job. And if they don't do a good job, guess what? Your leadership bonus isn't going to be there. Your ability to get hired to that next level of leadership within the organization is not going to be there. So to me, leadership is about relationships. Mm. People do business with those that they love. And yep. if your employees and your followers love you, then they will go out of their way to do everything that you ask them to do. If they don't like you, man, you're just like a shooting. You're just a, a target to be shot at. Yeah, 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 I agree. And that, that will go the extra mile for you as well. And not just for you, but for the team and their, and their colleagues and the, and the organization. They definitely buy into things a lot as well. 
So what makes a leader, because today's world is this fast-paced, ever-changing world, what makes a leader successful in, in that kind of environment today? I think delegation. I mean, leaders are overwhelmed with so much on their plate. And if you don't delegate to the right people, your people are not going to grow. And if you don't delegate and let go, there's no way that you can do it yourself. So I think delegation is a huge proponent. Number two, I think balancing family and work is a huge proponent. I loved when I was in corporate America and I met a boss or a senior executive and I met their spouse or I learned that they had children or I learned they coached their kids baseball team. You know, to me, that's like, okay, this person's a real person because we've all seen that, Hmm. you know, busy executive that runs 24, seven, 365. And I just saw a movie not too long ago. No spouse, no children was like 70 years old, was wealthy beyond his means, but you know, was depressed at Christmas, depressed at Thanksgiving, depressed at the family holidays because he had no one to spend family time with outside of that. So I think delegation, balancing family and work, and then focus on health and wellness. Those are three areas of which, and then also just how you treat people. Yeah. Because people don't really remember what you say. They remember how they felt. And those are four areas in which leaders can improve on. Excellent. And I noticed that you used the words again, letting go. So, you know, before you talked about for you and the meditation and so forth about the power of letting go and around stress and that, but also letting go and allowing people to get on with what they want to get on with and, and what they're very good at doing. So that letting go is, 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 is uh, can be looked at different ways, which is brilliant. So if I was to get you to get out your crystal ball here now and start thinking about the future, the question I've got for you here is where do you see leadership being in five years? Well, leadership is changing. I love that brand, that title. That's brilliant on your behalf. I think adaptability. Um, leadership is the ability to adapt, to adjust. I'm a huge proponent of this phrase I create as an entrepreneur. We need to trial and error, test and measure, rinse and repeat. So we try different sales and marketing and leadership opportunities. And then after we trial it and we error it, And some of it's going to work and some of it's don't. So then based on that, we get the results back and then we have to measure those results. I love that quote that says, you cannot improve that which you don't measure or that which you don't measure, you cannot improve. And then whatever you did that worked, do more of it. Whatever you did that didn't work, can it be done with it? And so I think adaptability, trial and error, taking risks, um, but just it's adding value to the customer, adding value to the employee, adding value to the shareholders. And if leaders can focus on continuously adding value to everybody in their lives, then there's always going to be a need for them. And if there's a point in time when leaders don't add value anymore, then they can be made redundant. They can be downsized. They can be let go. And so I think the the next five years, leaders got to ask themselves, what can I do to continuously add value to this church, to this school, to the sports teams, to this organization, to this corporation? And when to their family, and if they're always focusing on adding value through actions, not through voice and words, then great things will happen. And they'll always have a place in a leadership uh, organization. Tremendous. There you are, listeners. Hey, Patrick, thank you for joining us on today's show. Um, It's been brilliant to have you here. If if our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where, where should they go? Well, you know what? Uh, you know, my website is patricksnow.com. 
And on patricksnow.com, there's a contact me button. Hopefully I get the email, but with spam blockers anymore, you don't really know if it gets that. So patricksnow.com is my uh, website. My email is patrick at patricksnow.com. But I'd say the absolute best way to reach me is send me a text. And I don't care where you are in the world, send me a text. My private cell phone number is uh, plus one and then 206-310-1200. Again, plus one, 206-310-1200. Make sure you give me your full name and your time zone and where you are in the world and let me know that uh, you heard me on uh, Dennis's show. And I'll be glad to uh, offer a complimentary consultation and see what I can do to help you bring more value to your life in any way. Awesome. Patrick, hey, once again, thanks for joining us on the show. It's been brilliant talking to you today. And thanks for sharing us your your thoughts, your, the wisdom and adding value to the listeners. So it's been brilliant. So thank you. Yeah. And I would just close with this comment. And that is we got to think it, ink it, believe it and achieve it. And what that means, we got to think about our dreams, goals and visions as a leader. And then we ink those dreams, goals and visions into print and then we believe in ourselves and the organization, and then we achieve whatever we our soul desires. Awesome. That's fantastic. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown, the unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Hey, look out for the episodes as they've been released. Download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family, your network. If there's any feedback you'd like to give me on the show, or if there's a question you'd like me to ask my guests as I interview them, or if there's a question for me on the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, then send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Listeners, if you haven't already joined the Facebook group, Leadership is Changing, go ahead and do that. And if you're on LinkedIn, there is a page for you to go and uh, be part of as well. We'd love to set up that community and have a great conversation around Leadership is Changing. Once again, listeners, great uh, to have you here on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 